Welcome to the Staying Anxious Podcast, a show that will equip you with the major keys to achieve extraordinary longevity. This is your girl, Asosa E, also known as Raw Girl. I'm a certified nutrition specialist and behavioral coach. Today on the show, we'll be chatting about reversing diabetes on a plant-based diet. To get this longevity party started, I'm going to give you guys some tips on some things you can do to reverse insulin resistance and improve blood sugar control. And later, we will chat with Eric Adams, Brooklyn Borough President, former law enforcement officer, now author, who was able to reverse his diabetes diagnosis in only three months. You heard that right, three months. I am so grateful to have each and every one of you tuning into the show from all over the world. Shout out to listeners in Uganda, Mozambique, Child, South Africa, UK, France, Germany, Canada, Poland. I see you, Poland. I see you. And of course, everybody holding it down in the US. I really appreciate you all. Another quick shout out to said underscore who left a five-star review entitled a golden resource of information great tips and motivation for helping people achieve a higher quality of life i like her instagram as well thank you so much for that review (laughs) today's show inspires you i'm inviting you to go ahead and subscribe and please rate the show on apple Podcasts. go on and write a review we're happy to feature you here at the beginning of the show It means the world to me to get feedback, and so any reviews are much appreciated. Okay, y'all, we are talking today about diabetes. The itis, I had clients who tell me that her grandmother said that that person got a touch of the sugar, whatever you prefer to call it. (laughs) Diabetes is exceptionally common these days, and unfortunately, not enough of us are aware that it is in fact reversible. With type 2 diabetes, your body is not using insulin well and can't keep blood sugar at normal levels. About 90 to 95% of people with diabetes have type 2. It develops over many years and is usually diagnosed in adults, but it is happening more and more often in children, teens, and young adults. The prevalence of type 2 diabetes continues to rise worldwide with approximately 422 million new cases with new diagnoses in low-to-middle-income countries springing up more readily. In 2017, the Center for Disease Control reported in a new report that more than 100 million U.S. adults are now living with diabetes or prediabetes. Of that number, they found that 30.3 million Americans, 9.4% of the entire U.S. population, have diabetes, and another 84.1 million have prediabetes, which, if not treated, leads to type 2 within five years. Here's the kicker. Of those 84 million people struggling with insulin resistance, only around 10% may even know that they have an issue. So how does insulin resistance occur? Well, our pancreas makes insulin, which is triggered by the consumption of glucose. Its job is to remove sugar from the bloodstream. And the ideal blood sugar level is less than 100 milligrams per deciliter after fasting and less than 140 milligrams per deciliter two hours after eating. Anything significantly higher than that is diabetes and anything significantly lower is hypoglycemia, which is a precursor to diabetes. In hypoglycemia, the body crashes regularly after having 
too much sugar, and there's a high amount of insulin in the bloodstream. When this goes on for some time, the body basically turns off receptors as a protective mechanism and ignores the insulin response, which causes insulin resistance. In this state, the insulin just builds up and up and up, and our body is forced to make more and more to get the same results of lowering blood sugar. The body also has a decreased capacity to store sugar, and therefore you will experience a lot of highs and lows, which also affect the emotional state and causes a lot of mood swings. Insulin serves several important purposes, decreasing our blood sugar levels. It also keep, helps our cells to absorb nutrients, which is why when blocked, a person feels like they're starving or they have an insatiable appetite. Some signs of insulin resistance include increased hunger, thirst, fatigue, frequent urination, high blood pressure, tingling in your hands and feet, craving for carbs and sugar, and weight gain. To reverse insulin resistance, contrary to advice often given, we need to make lowering insulin a primary goal. Removing refined carbohydrates and added sugars altogether, removal of saturated fats is a consideration for most people, and the saturated animal fats and dairy processed meats while also increasing potassium, which helps to lower insulin and encourage storage of sugar. The easiest method of getting adequate potassium is to consume 7 to 10 cups of vegetables daily. We need 4,700 milligrams per day of potassium, and we can get that really easily just by consuming one really large salad a day. In addition, increasing B vitamins will also help. Why? Well, when the body's in a state of insulin resistance, it actually dumps potassium and B vitamins in the urine more than 10 times the normal amount. So just by replenishing that, we can start to rebalance the body. You can also consume an alternative breakfast that includes protein, healthy fat, and even vegetables in the morning that can assist you with maintaining steady energy and blood sugar levels throughout the day. Many of us begin the day setting ourselves up for an energy crash with a standard American diet breakfast which usually is high in refined carbs. I'm talking about your pancakes, your French toast, your biscuits, all that stuff. Last but not least, intermittent fasting is a viable way to support the reversal of insulin resistance and regulate blood sugar issues. In order to use this effectively, it's best to ease into it by starting with a very moderate eight to 10 hour fasting window and gradually increasing over a period of time. This is something that I like to use with a lot of my diabetic patients. So basically, you're eating the same amount of calories you would, but you're eating it within a restricted time window, so you're not eating super late. Usually, super late in the day is not great for women. Men can sometimes get away with a later window, but I usually tell people, end your window around 8 p.m. Try to make sure you're not eating two to three hours before you go to sleep so it does not affect your sleep time. Based on the research available and mounting personal testimonials, it's also clear that a healthy plant-based diet can have a significant effect on preventing and managing diabetes, and that's what we're going to chat about today. The biggest factor to consider if you're considering trying it is to make sure that you're actually eating a healthy whole food plant-based diet. So you want to get rid of the fruit juices, the sweetened beverages, the processed refined grains, sweets, desserts. I usually also get rid of white potatoes if you're my client. All of these things are not really going to be a part of your diet if you want these things to work because they're not associated with improving the condition of insulin resistance or blood sugar issues. Another aspect to consider in order to ensure that your plant-based diet produces results is consider, depending on who you are, adopting a low-fat vegan diet. 
Um, a study done by the Physicians Committee of Responsible Medicine showed that diet that comprised about 10% energy of fat, 15% for protein, and 75% from carbohydrates, and consisted of vegetables, fruits, grains, and legumes, outperformed the American Diabetes Association recommended diet. Participants in the vegan group were also asked to avoid uh, animal products and added fats in favor of low glycemic index foods such as beans and green vegetables. If you're looking to take on a plant-based diet and have diabetes, the best news is that calorie counting is not essential. The quality of the food that you eat matters more than the quantity, especially at the beginning. All right, y'all, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to speak to our amazing guest. Are you interested in living your best, healthiest life? I'm Asosa E, also known as The Raw Girl of therawgirl.com, and I'm a certified nutrition specialist and behavioral coach who specializes in helping you discover what exercise and diet is best for your body and get to the root cause and rebalance if you have a serious chronic condition. Clients who've worked with me have reversed diabetes, hypertension, balanced hormonally, gotten rid of acne for good, and lost hundreds of pounds. If you are interested in reaching your health goals with some support this year, visit therawgirl.com to sign up for a 20-minute call with yours truly. Until then, stay healthy and happy. Today's guest is Eric Adams, the Brooklyn Borough President, having previously served three terms in the New York State Senate and 22 years in the New York City Police Department. After being diagnosed with type 2 diabetes in 2016, having lost vision in his left eye and suffering from nerve damage in his hands and feet, he went against the initial recommendations of his doctors and pursued a whole food, plant-based diet. Within three months, Eric reversed his diabetes diagnosis, and he has subsequently been able to impact the health of countless New Yorkers facing chronic diseases, including his own mother. This year, he released his book, Healthy at Last, a plant-powered approach to preventing and reversing diabetes and other chronic illnesses, which is now available to pre-order. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate you. I appreciate your time. Um, I, um, I remember hearing you speak at the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, and it was so inspiring. I think it was like it was, it was a grand standing ovation to everything you were saying. Um, mm. so I, I appreciate your time and, and, um, and all the work that you're doing. Thank you. Really kind of you. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about, tell us a little bit about what made you actually go into public service? I actually read that you had a bad experience with police that led you to become a police officer. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, as a child, when I was 15, I was arrested and uh, my brother and I were beat bad by police officers. And it really impacted me emotionally. I didn't realize at the time uh, that I was experiencing PTSD mm. because that wasn't, you know, we weren't even having those conversations back then. But every time I saw a police car, I thought about the beating. Every time I heard a siren or saw a police show on TV, mm -hmm. uh, I relived the beating. And 
it wasn't until I was about 18 that a prominent businessman named Arthur Miller was killed by a chokehold. And, and it came right after a young man named Randolph Evans was shot and killed that a group of civil rights leaders asked me to go into the police department with 12 other young men to fight from within. Mm. And, you know, of course, you, as you could imagine, I thought they were out of their mind. Right. But we went in anyway. And, and we started, I started an organization called 100 Blacks in Law Enforcement Who Care. And we fought for police reform, um, you know, throughout the, my 22 years in the police department. Wow. Um, that's just amazing. It's an amazing story. And I think the reason why I asked you about it is because I, you know, with everything that's going on right now and the Breonna Taylor and so much stuff, I think people need to know that there are good cops out there and there are people with stories like yours where, you know, they're trying to make a change within. And and that's, and you're so right uh, because public safety is a prerequisite to prosperity. Mm. And the problem that we are facing in New York City and in, in, in America is that the police agencies were supposed to become uh, safe havens for those who lift up the nobility of public protection. Right. Instead, it has become a safe haven for a small uh, number of a significant number of abusive, and some, in some cases, sadistic men and women. Mm. And if if you don't t- turn around what the safe haven is for, you'll never turn around policing. Yeah, that's so good. So good. Um, I was reading your book, Healthy at Last, and you were talking about um, the kinds of things that you used to eat <laughs> when you were on the police force. Um, can you tell us about what your diet was like before you got diagnosed with diabetes? Um, and also maybe even your lifestyle. And it's interesting because, uh, you know, we we really fall into these habits. And I think we're wired as human beings uh, to sort of do things subconsciously mm-hmm. so that we can move through the day. But uh, for the most part, because of the uh, tour of duty, my hours of working, of you sort of in this environment, a high stress environment. And I think the stress of policing is no different than the stress of being a nurse, a doctor, an EMT, a teacher, uh, any, any profession where you interact with the public all the time, there's a high level of stress and trauma. Because remember, the public uh, does not call the city agencies when they are having a nice birthday party, they call it when the party has disrupted. Yeah. So you tend to have a life of responding to trauma. Mm. And then you fall into the pattern of self-medicating yourself with food. And I just constantly ate fast food, processed food, uh, you know, whenever I had a bad shooting or that day when someone was injured or if I saw a terrible, horrific case, you know, all the time, every day, you really just started, you know, let me go get that Philly steak. Let me go get that hamburger, that cheeseburger, that pizza. Mm. And that was was the diet for the most part. 
high process, a lot of sugar, a lot of fat, a lot of uh, oil, and just really low fiber, lower, you know, no fiber at all for the most part. And it was just really an unhealthy place to be. Mm. Is this something I can totally see? I mean, because I have, I'm a behavioral coach as well. And so I deal with people's habits all the time and also just emotional eating. And listening to you talk, I'm like, in relation to what we were just speaking about, do you think that, you know, nutrition education is something that could be beneficial for the police force and like actually changing their behaviors and policing outcomes? Without a doubt, without a doubt. And I believe it is unfortunate that behavioral science science is something that is ignored in our country. Mm. You know, we never uh, ask, okay, let's get to the, to the root of why people do what we, what they're doing. Uh, we, we may look at, you know, someone, someone must go to a psychiatrist or psychologist or what, or what have you, but we don't look at in our everyday lives. Why are we doing what we're doing? You can't go to the doctor's office and say, okay, you need to eat healthier. Like, what does that mean? And right. hey, doctor, I know I'm diabetic. Why am I still going to get that Coca-Cola and that donut? Right. Because there's something else that is happening. And that's the missing piece of, of healthcare in this country, the behavioral aspect of it to help people deal with the underlying reasons that they are doing what they're doing that is actually hurting them physically and emotionally. And, you know, it's a yin and yang relationship. Both yeah. of them must be dealt with. And you see in policing, look at your typical police officer, overweight, mm. unhealthy, you know, is playing on his spirit. And if they learn yeah. a more healthy, holistic diet and incorporate that with a uh, a meditation, mindfulness, yoga, you'll get a better qualitative product in yeah. public safety. Yeah, no, good one. And and I think it's, I mean, it's across the board for any of the public service um, position. Like you're talking about a doctors, nurses. I see unhealthy doctors all the time. Um, but yeah, that point that you made about getting to the root cause, that's, that's primarily what I focus on. And I find that it really does help people because, again, you can't just tell someone to stay away from it and not help them <laughs> deal with the emotions right. that are affecting them through the process. So, um, that's, what my book, that's what my book, Healthy at Last, is about. Hmm. It's, 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 I wanted to really demystify health. And mm-hmm. I wanted I want, wanted my book to be, hey, I'm just, you know, hanging out in my living room with a cat that I like. And <laughs> he's telling me about his journey. Uh, hey, Eric, I saw that you just went through diabetes. I'm pre-diabetic or my mother's diabetic. You know, talk to me about that. I want it to be just a comfortable conversation on a summer day. Mm-hmm. You just sit in the room with someone you just like. And and I think that you know, our journey is so significant because little did I know that the street credibility I was going to build up from standing up for righteousness and public safety was going to allow me to now have people say, listen, I trust that brother. Right. Telling me that something about my health, which is really the foundation of our life and happiness, 
It's allowing me to get inside places that the average person may not have been able to get into because I had that real street credibility of this is someone that I value, I like, and I trust. Mm-mm. When you went, when you first went to your doctor, this was 2016 when you were diagnosed, right? And yes. um, it, basically what I read in your book is that he basically gave you no option. He was just kind of like, here's the meds. What, what was the impetus that drove you to dig deeper and actually do some research? Because I think a lot of people hear what their doctor says. Um, and unfortunately, there needs to be more education around this, obviously. But a lot of people hear what their doctor says. They take it as law and then they just take the medication. So what, what was different about you? And isn't that deep? And that, you're so right. And that's a powerful statement that you just made. Uh, because, you know, I think about when I was first diagnosed. Uh, my son said to me, Dad, I used to watch you go from service station to service station, putting the best gas in your BMW <laughs> with your body. Mm. And, you know, and particularly with people of color, you, you know, we'll make sure we have the right 10W40 oil in our engines. We'll make sure that our red bottom shoes are legit and not right. fake. We'll make sure that our Brooks Brothers are, you know, authentic you know, don't don't mess with, you know, I, I've, I've seen sisters <laughs> go through that bag to make sure it's not a knockoff. And, you know, I mean, <laughs> the level, the depth of what we do for that, which is external. Yeah. We don't even, anyone can tell us anything about our internal. You go to your doctor, your doctor say, listen, you're on, you're on medicine the rest of your life. We say, okay, where do I go? How do I go fill this prescription? Exactly. We don't even start to do the research. And so that's what I said to myself. I went to five of the best doctors in this city hmm. that were uh, endocrinologists, and they all told me the same thing. Listen, it's hereditary. It's in your DNA. Your mother's diabetic for 15 years, seven years on insulin. Uh, your brothers and sisters are going through chronic diseases. Uh, it's just what it is what it is. You're going to go on insulin, and you're going to go on uh, metformin, and wow. you're, going to, you're going to get a you're going to get medicine for your ulcer, medicine for your blood pressure, medicine for your cholesterol, uh, yeah. medicine, medicine for medicine. Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and and uh, and I remember sitting at home with the stacks stack of pamphlets mm. and medicine sitting next to my laptop, and the pamphlet said, "Living with diabetes." And I said, "Now, Eric." You're not a doctor, but you know how to do investigations. Right. And darn it, you know how to read. Right. And so the universe had me type one word different. Instead of typing living with diabetes, I type reversing diabetes. Amazing. It is. It is. And it sent me on a different trajectory. Hmm. And that started the journey. Wow. Wow. And that like, that's just such a simple shift. You know what I mean? But it's a shift that I think that unfortunately, again, we have to, most of the time we have to do it on our own. Unless we have, we're blessed to have someone around us who has also gone through the journey. So when you type that in and you start researching, did you, um, how did you hit upon, okay, I'm going to do a plant-based diet. And then when you did do it, did you just go, okay, I'm going to get rid of everything. I'm just going to go cold turkey on this. How did, how did that work for you? 
so I came up with the group of doctors, uh, Dr. Barnard, uh, Gregor Esselstyn, and others. And I called Dr. Esselstyn, who treated Bill Clinton for his heart disease. I flew down to, to see him. I uh, had a, a consultation with him, and he gave me just a foundation uh, that really just said, listen, it's about the food. Mm-hmm. And, and when I returned to the city, I just started reading my labels and I was like, wow, this is exactly what he was talking about. Uh, mm. And I, it, it's just, it's just an, an awakening, you know, and I always think about quantum physics that states you start things, you become aware of things when you acknowledge the existence of them. And once I started, started acknowledging the existence of what was on my label, what was in my food, uh, I cleaned out my cupboards, my pantry, my refrigerator. And so I'm, I'm just going to dive deep in. And let me tell you, sister, that first week, mm-hmm. <laughs> man, please, that was hell week. <laughs> <laughs> I, I felt like a heroin addict, you know? <laughs> and it was the Sunday. Yeah. Where the Sunday at the end of the week, where I sat down and I said, brother, why are you doing this woe is me thing? Why are you feeling sorry for yourself? You know? Of why not lean into this and why not say why not me? Stop looking at the foods you can't eat and start looking at this amazing universe of foods you you could now introduce yourself to. Mm. I just took I I did a mental shift. And That's so important. Yes. And I just started anew and I looked at the journey I was on as a different journey. And you know, uh, throughout one's life and my life. You're going to be you're going to be in dark places and you must make the interpretation uh, one must make make the interpretation. Is that dark place a burial or a planting? Mm. And, and I felt, listen, you're planted, you know, and healthy at last. My book is the fruits of the harvest of that planting. Well, that doesn't seem to be the only fruits of harvest. It seems like it seems like so you reverse your diabetes in three months. Right. And then, and then it just, I love the stories of Cliff and then your mom. It seems like it it really started to go beyond you. Tell us a little bit more about that. Because there are various branches to a tree. And, you know, one branch is your personal branch with your family. At the time, my sisters was going through breast cancer. Another one was going through losing a kidney. My brothers were going through various levels of chemo. Uh, so that tree branch, uh, I was using that harvest uh, to address just the personal part. My mom, after two months going uh, whole food plant-based, she cycled off her insulin in two months. Uh, my sister started embracing a healthier lifestyle. Then it was, you know, the the, the family, my extended family called the borough in the city that I love. I started fighting to make sure our children you know, you can't have a city with 70% of the children have early signs of heart disease and expect to have a future. Uh, that's our number one killer. So I went after an attack with an vengeance, um, having processed meat in our school. We were successful in getting it out, which is a type one carcinogen. And successful, successful in um, doing meatless Mondays and vegetarian menus and I'm fighting for nutrition-based um, education. Then I, another branch went to attack the our healthcare system. We started a program at Bellevue Hospital 
uh, where it was the first of its kind in the city, if not America, with lifestyle medicine in a major uh, hospital. Because it goes back to what you said. Hey, how about giving people a choice? You know, right. let them make the determination. And I'm cool if someone says that, listen, uh, I'm going to die anyway. Who cares? You know, if that's what people want to do, fine. But we should at least give people a choice. Yeah. So they can make the determination of what life or what road they want to go in. So the harvest had many branches, and I'm consistent about the branches. Even a book, the proceeds of the book is another branch because we're going to take those proceeds and we're going to build health ministries and all of our faith-based institutions because you need the power of faith and prayer, you know, to make this stuff happen. I love that you said that. I'm saying that all the time. I'm a double PK. I'm a double preacher's kid. And I get <laughs> tired of people talking about praying when when God is also waiting on you <laughs> to, to, to make some moves, you know what I'm saying? And eat the real food that he created for you to eat. Right. And I think it's a big problem in, in faith-based communities. I really do, especially well, in the black community. Well said. How 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 ironic it is that we sit down on Thanksgiving and we give thanks and we pray for our auntie, our uncles who are in the hospitals or, yeah. or going through major ailments. We pray uh, for their healing, and then we thank God for the food that's on the table that caused the ailment. <laughs> That's just, and that's why knowledge, is, and I don't say that to belittle our people because knowledge is key. It's, this is the role we must play. Uh, as the boys talked about the talented 10, 10% yeah. to go through. We need to now, those of us who are at this place, we need to go back and free our people. We need to be the modern day Harriet Tubman and free our people. I can't get off the plantation and leave my people on there. And that's yeah. why I wanted to show the history of food in the book. You know, when you think about, we took the poison of the slave master, gave it a prestigious title mm. in our community, such as soul food, and it's leading to the destruction of our future. Yeah, I love that. Part. I love when you start to talk about the origins of soul food. What were some of the, I guess, was there anything surprising that you learned when you were doing research about that, that you think the average person doesn't know about soul food? Uh, uh, there were several, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, even the KFC, Kentucky Fried Chicken. I mean, this guy wasn't racist. He, right. he hung out with with George Wallace. Segregation now, segregation uh, forever. Wow. <laughs> and here we are running to have finger licking good poison. Right. <laughs> of you know the origin, the origin of of, you know, why we had to do the fried chicken, you know, of why we, you know, why we eat chitlins. And, and I mean, this was the scraps. Yeah. This was the, this was the master's scraps. And so imagine the depth of embedding your destruction inside your own recipes to ensure that it is handed down for generations to come. That's a masterful plan. Yeah. They did. And bet they don't even have to be around any anymore to destroy Ken Thompson's, the first black uh, district attorney in the borough of, of Brooklyn. He died from colorectal cancer, food related. 
Wow. Uh, look at what's going on with Jesse Jackson and Parkinson. Uh, look, we just we just lost a giant uh, congressman uh, recently. These are all food-related premature destruction of yeah. our bodies. Yeah, and and Lynn Chadwick Boseman, super yes. young, super young, colorectal cancer. Yes, think about oh. that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's really, it's really a problem. And in my practice, it's like, I mostly see black women. I see fibroids, endometriosis, all the hormonal related things all the time. And it's always linked to diet related things in addition to other things like stress. But it's, yeah. it's really sad. Yeah. because we, we definitely can do stuff about this. Um, <laughs> that's what my book touched on, because you're right. It's a, it's a combination. It's a holistic approach. And that's why my book talks about uh, meditation, you know, mm. I mean, brothers need to, brothers need to know it's all right to sit in the bathtub with some candles and soap. Right. You know, we need to take the walk. We need to take the downtime. We need to, you know, meditate in the morning because that stress is killing us. It really is. In your case, did you do diet and lifestyle changes? Like, did you start meditating? Did you start doing any of these other things that help to reduce your stress? Yes, without a doubt. You know, because it's yin and yang. Uh, it, you cannot simply eat right and not live right. They don't go together. Mm-hmm. And you can't, you know, I mean, the, you know, the body is a balance. Your physical body must duplicate the anatomy of your spirit. Mm. And it must be in aligned with each other. If not, you are out of balance. Mm-hmm. And so they both go together. And the more and more, uh, as I started on the journey, the more uh, depth came from learning how do I wean myself also off the junk food of spirituality because you can become emotionally obese just like you're physically obese. Mm, mm. Hmm. Wow. Um, I love how you break down like just simple tips for people. If someone listening right now has a diagnosis, maybe they have diabetes, where do you think is the, the best place for their for them to begin? Besides, obviously they need to get your book, Healthy at Last. <laughs> Um, what's a, what's a good place for them to start? Knowledge is important and so important. It start from a place of knowledge. There's nothing worse than, uh, having the energy to do something and have it sustainable. Uh, you know, my vision loss was, was reversed in three weeks. There is no other lifestyle that is going to show you as fast results than a plant-based lifestyle. And so my advice to them, number one, find yourself a healthy a doctor that believes in uh, uh, plant-based or lifestyle, lifestyle medicine, integrated medicine. Find yourself a good doctor because you want to do this in consultation with your doctor. Then start, give yourself a nice week of reading. Listen to some great, there's some great information out there, nutritionalfacts.org, um, forks over knives. Uh, how not to die. There's just some good, simple material out there. So you could get a foundation. And yeah. particularly if there's something that you impacted with. And, you know, as you indicated, the book really just shows you, my book, Healthy at, Healthy at Last, just show you some step-to-step 
you know, this is not um, some elitist approach to health. You know, you're not going to see in my book, okay, when you go to your Whole Foods, yeah, yeah, folks are like, say, man, I don't have no damn Whole food in my my (laughs) spot. No, it's like, how do you go to that bodega? Yeah. What's in that bodega that you can eat on the cheap and healthy? Because it's possible. A dry bag of lentils, you can make a lentil burger, lentil stew, a lentil salad. Uh, You know, you can eat on a family of four for ten dollars. So I want to I want to show people how do you take those next steps. Hey, you don't have money to join the gym? Well, listen, let me show you the gym that's right on your own block. It's called stairs. It's Mm. called walking. Mm. (laughs) It's called standing desk. You know. Uh, So I want to show people how while we fight to get healthy foods in our school in our in our communities to deal with the food that's in the food apartheid because we must deal with it at the same time there are things that we can empower people to do now yeah I love what you just said about it's called stairs like I'm like the queen of like my clients love to try to give me some excuse and I'm like oh let me just let me just find a little way for you to do that and one of the videos (laughs) one of the videos I send people I can't remember this woman's name but I think she's 80 something and basically she started walking around her apartment and lost hundreds of pounds. She went from like a size 20 something to a size four, changed her diet to a plant-based diet, walked around her apartment. She didn't have a gym membership. She didn't have, she just had a little Fitbit that her, her, uh, her granddaughter gave her as she walked around her apartment and lost that much weight. And I'm like, what is your excuse? She's 80 something. And, you know, and what you said is so powerful because, you know, in all sincerity, when, you know, we believe the body, the life, the person that we all have inside us, we all have this person in us that we know uh, is our true selves. Mm. But we believe that because time moved on and we have families, responsibilities and obligations, we basically believe that, you know what, my time has passed me. And it's just right. not true. Right. It's not true. You're, the best years you have are the ones in front of you when you lean into them with consciousness. I love intent. that. I love that. I love that. Um, so I lived in Brooklyn for five years. I lived in um, Crown Heights, and then I lived in Bed-Stuy. And then I lived downtown before they had a stadium. And I remember mm-hmm. when I was living there, I would frequently stop people. <laughs> this is before I was a nutritionist. <laughs> I would stop people on the street and be like, please don't give your little baby that, that grape drink. I'm going to need you to. And I would mm-hmm. literally like stop them and like have a whole conversation about why this. Should... And, mm-hmm. some, you know, a lot of them didn't even know. They didn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything that you're working, uh, what are, what's being done to, I guess, I know you were talking about going to the bodega, but like what's being done to increase the accessibility in Brooklyn for healthy food for in certain neighborhoods? Yes. And and that's a good, that's a very good point because a lot of people don't know. And I believe that if people knew what they were doing to their babies, because, you know, there's no greater relationship of protection than a mother and a child. And mm-hmm. even that information is imperative. So we're really pushing for nutrition-based education so the children can start leading, uh, particularly in this energy of activism 
from our young people. Uh, we want to really show them how to harness that energy to not only go after uh, the police of misdoings, uh, but you know, you want to see how Black lives are not mattering going mm. to the healthcare system. And so we want to harness this energy uh, to really start pushing access to healthy foods, access to close up these food deserts. Uh, I think this is a great opportunity of saying, okay, now that we have your attention, now that you are part of this movement and you're really engaged, here are the things that are really impacting your lives. Because you and I both know, we, you know, I'm, I'm 50, I'm 60 years old. Wow. And, and there was a, there was a period that every generation displays their courage. Mm. And we have really stopped a generation from displaying the courage. It appears as though it was skipping over, it skipped over a generation. There was a real inactivity of moving people, the people forward. Mm. Uh, you know, as much as I love my millennials, you know, this generation, I think is Z, they are, they're doing what the 60s did. Mm. You know, the Z's and the Z's are more like the 60s than the millennials. Mm. The, 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 the 60s folks were in the streets and people need to be clear and say, well, you know, they didn't do anything. No, they did do something. Right. <laughs> you know? That 60 movement was a significant foundational movement for us. Uh, uh, the, it appears as though that activity skipped over the millennials and now the Z's are picking up the energy. The grandchildren of the 60s are now re-engaging uh, with the energies of energy of the 60s. Mm. Hmm. You've, done a, you've done so much... Um in your life. But I, I think one thing that is so inspiring about this book and just your journey is because diabetes really is accelerated aging and you reversed it and clearly living your best life and contributing in such powerful ways um, to the community. What would you say your greatest life lesson has been so far? Mm, mm, I love that. That don't let people define you. Mm. You know, I, I mean, there's just, there's just, and I, I wanted to demystify and, sh and really open myself up and show how imperfect I am. You know, people look at your resume sometimes and they think perfection, uh, but I just want a section on my res resume that shows the failures. I dropped mm. the ball so many times. Mm. You're not defined by your achievement. You're defined by when you are knocked down and you got back up. Love and that. And I don't, don't, that's probably the most important thing that I've learned that don't let people define you. Don't, don't let people tell you who you are and what you can't do. Uh, you know, I mean, how do you go from being arrested to breaking the law, then becoming a cop and enforcing the law? And then you go to Albany and write the law. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, it is, it is as though the creator is saying, you know, don't be defined. Mm. And when you look at this journey that I'm on, you know, and I'm running for mayor of the city of New York, uh, the, it's just such an impossible story. Yeah. 
And so it just shows us that impossible is just a it's just a word. If you yeah. if you take if you take those first two letters, I am, and then yeah. added the possible, it becomes instead of impossible, it becomes I am possible. Yeah. And that's my lesson. I am possible. I say it every day. And no matter if no one else believes in me, I believe in me. Yeah. Wow. Um, I wish you could move back to Brooklyn so I can I can vote for you. <laughs> <laughs> Just to vote for you, not to. <laughs> um, where can people find you online and where can people find this amazing book? Thank you. You can you could order uh, uh ahead of time. If you want, you could order through Amazon and all the other uh, locations, you know, where you get uh, the book, you know, on, are uh, you doing pre-orders? Okay. Uh, where, that's where you can, you know, where you could get the book. Uh, we, we were really happy to learn that our book is designated as number one in this category um, on the pre-orders. Awesome. Uh, so we, um, uh, uh, you know, we're happy about that, you know, that we can actually, uh, that we've reached that status and people are, people are, you know, looking forward to, you know, getting the book, they're ready for it. <laughs> you know, we have an audio, yeah. audio copy or they can also um, go to Healthy At Last BK. Healthy at last BK um, on all channels, you know, Instagram, okay, uh, Twitter, Facebook. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much, Eric. I think you're Thank amazing. You. I really appreciate your time Thank you. and all the work <laughs> you're doing, seriously. Thank you very much. It's been a wonderful journey. Let folks know it's not about the destiny. Uh, the creator, the ancestor, and the universe will take care of your destiny. Let's just enjoy the journey. And part of the journey is just interacting with you is showing how rich my journey is. Oh, thank you. Take care. All right. Take care. It's time to take some questions from Instagram or email. Remember, if you'd like to have your question answered on the show, all you got to do is send me a DM, slide up in my DMs, respond to the call for questions on my profile on Instagram at the raw girl. Or contact me via my website, therawgirl.com. Today, we have a question from Instagram from at the mustard butterfly. She says, dear raw girl, did you ever eat a fully raw diet? If so, for how long? And when did you introduce cooked foods back? Hey there. Thanks so much for messaging me. Yes, my pseudonym raw girl was developed in 2009 when I became a raw foodist. I was already vegan. Um, at, in 2009, I healed myself of acne and chronic fatigue. I started my blog, Raw Girl in a Toxic World. And I was a raw foods only person for about two years. And then I started to learn more about nutrition, Ayurveda. I was also trying to figure out how to, why I wasn't feeling so great. Once I understood my body type, which is something that I teach in my class, staying ageless 30 plus, I was able to figure out that when I am not in a tropical environment. My body actually needs warming foods during colder months. So now, although I choose a very high raw vegan diet, I love to incorporate cooked meals, especially as the weather changes. 
Why? Well, that's because it's what my body needs. I'm going to give it all the way 100 with you and tell you with love that what my body needs is really not your business. What I would encourage you to do instead is to figure out what your body needs to thrive when you feel at your best and what balance of foods gives you the right amount of nutrition and optimal energy. Too many people are treating their diets like a religion. And if you feel super pressured to attain 100% raw, I hope that you relieve yourself from that and focus instead on when do you feel your best? I really hope this helps you. All right, it's time to close out the show. Hopefully this show has inspired you if you have diabetes, insulin resistance, or any health condition to know that you can take your health into your own hands and make decisions today that can lead you down the path to living your best life. If you know anyone who needs this information, please forward this episode. And don't forget to check out our guest's book, which I will link in the show notes. Today, I leave you with this quote by an anonymous author. Incredible change happens in your life when you decide to take control of what you do have power over instead of craving control over what you don't. The biggest takeaway I hope you all leave with is that in case you or your doctors miss the memo, type 2 diabetes is completely reversible with the right diet and lifestyle interventions. If you are currently on insulin, metformin, or any drug to control your diabetes, I hope this has encouraged you to take some action today. For additional inspiration, check out the documentary Simply Raw, Reversing Diabetes in 30 Days. Well, that's all for today, sis. If you're looking for more health tips or you have a question for the show, find me on Instagram at therawgirl. You could also find me and contact me through my website, therawgirl.com. For more on the show or to listen to past episodes, visit stayingagelessshow.com.